0: And repulsed by those pictures, and you should be too. But when they stop repulsing you, then you become used to them, and the cross begins to lose its power. It was not a pretty scene, and that price was given and paid that we could be made new, that we could be forgiven. Um, so I think it was the day after New Year's Day, and we went to your house. Is that correct? Second of January, went to her house, and I had lunch with her, and she had some coconut cake. And I, Nan's a good cook, and um, yes, Craig. Now, 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 Craig, you got to let me talk, okay? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I did eat it, Craig. I ate a piece of it anyway, a pretty good sized piece. But anyway, you know, she said, "Yeah, this is left over from yesterday." And she said these words. She said, I think it gets better the older it gets. And I said, I think you're right because it was really good. And then I knew she was right because last night at 10 o'clock, it kind of goes like this. You know, we go upstairs. Our dog has to come up and play around a while, and then she has to go to her cage. And so that's what we did. You know, we put her in her cage, and then I go in the kitchen, check the back door. As I'm walking by the refrigerator, I hear this voice that says, open the door. No, seriously, Mary. This is the truth. I heard this voice that said, open the door. And I looked there and there's like a little light shining over this paper plate. And it was like two bites of the cake left. I, I do not know what happened to the rest of it. Okay. But there were two bites left of this cake. And so it was just saying, eat me, you know. And so at 10 o'clock last night, I finished it off. And I told man this morning, you know, it was really good on the 2nd of January. At 10 o'clock at night, it was really good on the 3rd of January. I just got a stinging suspicion it would have got better and better and better as time goes on. It just, it just would have. Well, you know, there are times when leftovers are good. And this is something that I shared on the Baptist Hour. And I don't know how many of y'all listen, and I'm not doing it because there's nothing else to talk. I just really want you to hear what we share on the Baptist Hour. It may be, if you will, it may be the second time for the spaghetti, but I'm hoping it'll be a blessing to you. All right? I hope it will, will just encourage you, especially after seeing the price that Jesus Christ paid um, for our salvation. I, I shared that morning how that, you know, I, I am blessed to have a 2002 Grand Prix. Now, I got this about. I think it's like two and a half years ago, maybe three, now three years ago, and it's just one of those exceptional cars. I mean, it was at that time it was like nine or ten years old, but it had like forty-one thousand miles on it. And it really looked new. I mean, you open the door, and with the exception of a couple of small imperfections, it looked new. In fact, people go, "Wow, it looks like a new car." Wow, that looks like a new car. And, and it did, and it does even now. I've, I've got a few dings on it, uh, by thanks to rocks and stuff. But but it really still looks good. But here's the deal: you know, nearly new is never new. Nearly new is, ne- is near. It's just not new. I mean, almost new is not new. In order for something to be new, it's got to be new. It's got to be new. See, in my Grand Prix, even though it looks like, I mean, I'm serious. You, you recognize the old body style because it's 12 years old. But, you know, from a distance, you might be willing to go, you know, that, that, that's a new car. It's a new car. I know it's not new for a couple of reasons. One, I'm the owner. But two, it doesn't have the smell. I mean, is there anything better than that wonderful vinyl smell in a new car? You open, yeah, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You, you open the door and you sit in it and you go, no. It just, come on, y'all, come on. You, some of y'all got new cars. You know what I'm talking about. In fact that some of y'all start trading cars when the new smell's gone, you know. Back in the old days, you could do that. Hey, back in the 70s, you could keep a, y- a car a year and the depreciation wasn't so badly where you could trade it in and get a new car. It's really kind of incredible. Can't do that really now, uh, but you could then. So so I'm reminded every day, even though my car, I keep telling Judy, I said, Judy, I think I'd like to have a different car. I realize probably my days of new cars are probably over, but I said, I wouldn't mind having a different car. But even so, it wouldn't have that smell, that smell. Well, I am glad to tell you today that we don't serve a God who makes things nearly new. Come on now. We serve a God of the new. And I thought that was so appropriate as we, and it's so appropriate tonight. That's why I want to share with you that we look forward to this year, this year 2015, which, by the way, will be gone before we know it. We must savor every single day because it will go so quickly. But we have this incredible year, as God sees fit. You know, I think you put on Facebook 2014 was a year, and 2015 would be another year. I almost wrote back and said, "You don't know that. It could be over like this. Jesus Christ could come back." And the end of time could begin pretty shortly thereafter, amen? We don't know. We don't know that we've got 2015 being another year even. But Lord willing, we will have another year. And it's a wonderful opportunity to love and to share and to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I I wanted to share with you tonight, what does God do for us in this new process? Take, listen. I want you to get your Bibles out now. I want you to turn to Revelation and chapter 21, verses 3 through 5. We hopefully, on, we'll watch the clock, but we'll go to several places tonight in the Word of God and looking for this key phrase or the, or the, or the uh, doctrine of newness, all right? But Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 5, the first part, boy, it's so clear and it's so good. This is that time when we talked about on Christmas Eve when there will be peace on earth. Um, Satan has been banished to the lake of fire, the false prophet, been banished to the lake of fire. God is in the process of making it all new. And here's what it says in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, now just let this soak into you. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, we know the story now after Christmas of Emmanuel that that Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. But in a very special and wonderful way, God will be with us. We will be with God and we will be his people in a very intimate and real way. And he will definitely be our God. But then it gets even better because it says this. And God will wipe away every tear. Tears will go out of vogue. Tears will will no longer be in fashion. And I'm not. you know I'm not speaking about tears of joy. I'm talking about the things in our hearts and lives that break our hearts. I hope you are able to identify, even though you may not have been with Tina this morning, but identify with her pain and with her hurting as a week has gone by and she has no idea where her son is. No idea. Again, we've been in the funeral home six times since Thanksgiving. We have been to surgeries. We, we've heard news of cancers. And those are things that produce tears. But God will wipe away all tears. God will banish tears because there'll be no more need for tears because He's going to make all things new. Now, listen that is not a promise to make us feel better, that is a promise of reality. And be sure you cling to that. Don't think of, of, of heaven. Don't think of the end times. Don't think of Revelation 21 in a sense that, well, that that'll be nice then. Let it be your rock now. Let anchor your feet onto the truth and the hope that God will make all things new. And all tears, all tears, all broken hearts will be gone away with. There shall be no more death. Why? Because he makes all things new. Death will be only a distant memory in the time that God is speaking of. There will be no more sorrow. The things that cause us to have broken hearts will be gone, gone away. There will be no more crying. Again, tears will be out of vogue and there will be no more pain. The former things have passed away. You know, I, I thought about this today, I underlined it in my notes. That the fact that, you know, that's terminology that we use for when someone dies. We don't really like to say John died, so we say John passed away. Well, praise God, there are going to be some things that die. Death will finally really die. You know, death died with Christ's resurrection, but it will really die. Tears will die, sorrow will die, pain will die, the former things, the former things will pass away. And I love this. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. There is coming a day. Come on now. There is coming a day. And he will, in fact, really in a very evident way make all things new. But he's done that now. And that's what I wanna spend our next time with. I wanna spend, what, what does God do? What has God done for us in making all things new? Mary, I'm glad he doesn't make us wait just for heaven. I'm glad he produces things in our life as we become his child and as we journey with him, I'm glad he gives us things that are new. For instance, in first Peter chapter one verse three, and I'm gonna go through these, I won't probably wait on you find it, but I hope you look for it. First Peter chapter one verse three, Peter speaks about the new birth. The new birth. He breaks into a doxology and says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, now look, or in his great kindness, in his unmerited kindness. He has given us a new birth. You know, again, God did not come in and say, Dwayne, I'm going to remodel you. You know, often people do this to their homes. They'll go in. They may even strip it down to the the studs. But the bottom line is, it's still the same old house. God doesn't remodel. God doesn't redecorate. God does not um, redo. He resurrects. He makes us new. He gives us a new birth. He takes us from death, as we heard in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, that that we were dead in trespasses of sin, and He makes us alive. Now, let that soak in. I know that's one of those truths that so, you know, people say, boy, we like deep stuff. Well, that is a wonderfully deep subject that we were dead in trespasses of sin, and God breathed new life into us. One day in your past, one day in your past, you really started living. You are physically alive, Donna, but you are spiritually dead. And if you met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you truly became alive on that day when you, by faith, trusted Jesus Christ and you experienced God's amazing and wonderful grace. You became alive. So, so he gave us a, the new birth into a living hope. How? A living hope. Now, watch this a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we see. We see the the pictures of the cross. But do you understand that the power of the cross is the resurrection? Without the resurrection, Jesus could have been just one more Jew that was hung on a cross. Despite all the claims he made. But God never wanted us to be in doubt about who Jesus Christ emphatically was. And the way he proved it was, he allowed his son to rise up from the grave on the third day. The resurrection forever proves who Jesus Christ is. He is the living son of God. The living hope through the power of the resurrection. That's why every Sunday we should celebrate the resurrection. As much as we love the cross, we should celebrate the cross. But every Sunday is Easter. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday we acknowledge the fact that we do not serve, serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior. Up from the grave He arose and that should be our proclamation. Every Sunday as we worship, regardless of what the calendar says, if it says worship together, we should be celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So He made us new. He didn't remodel. He didn't redo. He resurrected. He gave us a new birth, a living hope. But He didn't stop there. Then he gives us and makes us a new creation. A new creation. Of course, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Now I pause there. And I said, okay, so what does that really mean? What does it really mean to be in Christ? Well, to be in Christ means to assume his identity. That, that who we are, and what we are, is Christ. Okay? Listen to Galatians chapter uh, 3 and verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith. How? In Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Don't forget that we are who we are because of our faith. We believed and God counted it as righteousness. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ, and the word baptized, the word baptismo means to identify with. So we are identified with Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. So to be in Christ identifies us with Christ. So therefore, if any person be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's just incredible. Again, God was not in the remodel. God was not in the redesign. He was in the new business. And He made you new. And that has several incredible ramifications. Um, look, at, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Again, you know, some of the, one of thing's that's cool about being a pastor, especially the a teaching pastor, you, know, you kind of get to use the scriptures that are, are very favorites of yours. And this is one I use over and over again because important, it's important to me as a person how I'm wired. Paul writing these words. And boy, did Paul have a past. I mean, Paul was guilty of having people thrown into the jail, ordering their execution, held the coat while Stephen, the first martyr, was killed. So Paul says this, Dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. Well, man, if Paul could admit that, I suppose we ought to be able to. See, I really, did you get this morning? Did you follow the importance of understanding what we were before Christ? Because I'm telling you, the pictures you saw, the words we sang tonight, come alive as you realize that you are once depraved. You are totally separated from God on your way to a Christless hell. I don't care how um, moral you counted yourself. I don't care if you count yourself with a real short sin list. Never did this. I never did that. I never did that. The bottom line is you were guilty before God and you are on your way to a Christless hell. That was who we were. We were depraved, separated from God. We were not holy. And then he saved us. Then he made us new. Don't lose sight of that. It makes your worship come alive. When you start singing of God's grace, when you start singing one day, when you start singing these powerful worship songs, when we understand what we were and what we are now, our worship becomes empowered. Our walk becomes empowered. Don't lose sight of that. He goes on and says this. I've not arrived. I've not gotten there. He says, I'm still focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward. God is so powerful, he can give you a new past. God is so powerful, he can give you a new past. You know, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 talks about how Christ blotted out the handwriting. Uh, This is King James, I believe. Blotted out the, the ordinances, the handwriting against us. And nailed it. Took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. He blotted out our sin, death in the past. I love it. It's so true. You know, Isaiah says, though our sins were scarlet, they should be white as snow. They'd be red like crimson. They should be pure. They should be white. And here's, here's the deal. Here's what I want you to get. That was all possible because of the cross. When God looks at you, now look. When God looks at you through the blood of his son, he sees purity. Amen. He sees righteousness. And that's exciting. I'm telling you, he doesn't see this, this beat up, bruised, and bleeding with skint knees from falling person who's struggling somehow to make it. He sees you as one who's blood bought through the blood of his son Jesus Christ. He gives you a new past. The charges against you are obliterated. They are blotted out. And he's given you a new future. He changed your future. I mean, you know, ultimately, there, there are details you won't know. You know, it's kind of like this. You know, every once in a while, Judy, Judy are getting old. That's what Judy's getting old. We're getting old. And I know that because men, you know, men do, like I mentioned in the instruction book this morning. We men don't like pick up instruction books. Well, normally men, we go on vacation um, and some of y'all maybe are still in this position where the ultimate goal is not to enjoy the trip but to get there. So, you know, your kids better have very large bladders because you're not stopping. I mean, I think Judy's convinced that sometimes. I'll just keep driving, keep driving, keep driving, keep driving, keep driving. And she's getting redder and redder and redder and redder. You know, we may to go for hours. You know, the gas tank could go like five hours. You know, if we're not careful, she prays for me to drink a lot of coffee. You know, it's her security. It's her security. So, so our goal is to get there, to get there, to get there. I'm learning as I get older that sometimes there's joy in the journey. Sometimes we get off the interstate and we drive through towns. Did you know there are towns in America? Did you know like you slow down and stop and you wave at people? When you get off the interstate, it's incredible. Now, that's not, that's not what I'll do all the time. Maybe one day I'll get there. But the bottom line is, I like to take joy in the journey sometime. Well, the bottom line is this. It used to be, get where I'm going, Judy, as fast as I could. Now, I may not know all the terms. I've got my GPS. I've got Tom Tom. I've got Siri. Siri talking to me. You know, I've got Judy talking to me. And, and you know, I may take a left turn or a right turn. I don't know. But I know the ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal is the destination we've picked out. Well, I may not know, this new future, I may not know all the turns that God has for me, but I know what the ultimate is. One day, face to face, with Jesus Christ in heaven. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Yeah, just enjoy the journey now. Just enjoy the journey now with all the turns and all the... You know, it's really cool not knowing sometimes what God is going to do. It's just cool knowing that. You're not knowing that, I should say. Because, man, he's got all these twists and turns on our road, but we know the ultimate destination. He's given us a new future. And ultimate future is face-to-face with Jesus Christ. It's awesome. He said, forgetting those things, which are the past, and looking forward uh, to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race. There's that ultimate destination. And receive the prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us up to heaven. How cool is that? So he gives us a new birth. He gives us a new creation. He he gives us a new past, a new future. But he gives us a new strength. I'm learning this. I can't do it. I spent too many years of my Christian life thinking I had to, I had to do, I had to do, I had to do, I had to do. And I constantly failed and failed and failed and failed. And constantly I beat myself up because I couldn't do it. God never asked me to do it. He said, let me do it through you. Let me empower you. And I'm not sure I can put that into words what that means, but I know this is through the Holy Spirit that he empowers me. That's why I know through surrender, we're going to have an incredible eight, seven, eight weeks with us now in the coming weeks as we surrender. This isn't, I can't look. I can't look. Oh, there might be a woman. I can't look. It's not that. It's saying, God, I can't control my eyes." but I can surrender them to you. God, I can't control my ears, but I can surrender them to you. That's a whole different scenario. So, so we can do these things. He gives us a new strength. And, and the scripture is, of course, one very, very popular, Isaiah 40, 31. Yet those who wait, here's what Psalm twenty seven fourteen says. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait on the Lord. Yet those who wait on the Lord, take courage and be strong, wait on the Lord, will gain new strength. And we know that strength is what? It's the Holy Spirit. The the Old Testament folks had the Holy Spirit come on them for a temporary period. You know, Saul had the Holy Spirit and God took it away from him. Not so with us. It is, the Holy Spirit, again, is the regenerative force of God in our lives. And and the Bible says, I think it's Ephesians chapter chapter 1, where he says that God has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Are there any of our realtors here tonight? Y'all know what earnest money is? Earnest money? You put the money down, guaranteeing the transaction will be completed. And if you don't complete the transaction, what happens to earnest money? You forfeit and give it up. God said, God said, I will give my spirit as earnest money, guaranteeing, guarantee, I will complete the transaction. Not me, God. I will complete the transaction. How powerful is that? You know, those who will, Lord, will gain new strength. New strength. The Holy Spirit, guaranteeing what is to come. And they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. And they will walk and not get weary. The one thing we've got to be careful of, don't outrun God. As He he gives us this new strength, we may have a tendency to run so fast, we outrun God. Don't do that. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and you keep pace. I remember Jill and I used to ride, you remember we used to ride bikes? Boy, now you ride with Benna, like she's cuter or something. Yeah, she is. But we used, to, we used to ride bikes together. We used to do some quite, quite long journeys on our bikes. But, but one would pace and the other would keep up. And sometimes I was the weaker one. Sometimes Tim was a little bit tired that day. But, but we had one person who would keep the pace. But we had to be careful that the one keeping the pace didn't go so fast, the other person fell behind. we got to be careful with God. That, not, not that he would go tired and weary himself, but that we would outrun him. He has a certain pace for us to go sometimes. And we need to be slow with that and watch and wait for him as he moves. Don't make decisions arbitrarily. Wait for God to show you the decision or the answer to the decision you're trying to make. Retirement. Um, job change. Raising your children. Okay? I mean, we could go on and on with the list. You know, lifestyle changes. But what are we going to do? Don't outrun God. Also this. He gives us, now, like this. And this is an important one for some reason. He gives us a new perspective. This one resonated with me. He gives us a new perspective. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this. He has, and I think the King James, New King James, this is an IV, says, He will make all things beautiful. I text that to someone today. He will make all things beautiful. You know, again, there's so much hurt and pain in this world. Can I hear an amen? There just is. But He will make all things beautiful. He will make all things new. He gives us a new perspective, and you are going to hear that when we talk about our eyes, about the importance of seeing circumstances through the eyes of God. That God has a reason, purpose for why all things that happen to us. He has made everything beautiful in His time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Even though He has set eternity in the hearts of men, our God is so great and so powerful we can't. Fathom how big he is. Isn't there confidence in that? Isn't isn't it good to know that you know some people are befogled because they can't figure God out. I'm glad I've got a God big enough I can't figure out. I'm glad he's so so much larger than my finite, limited mind could ever get around. Because that makes him an incredible God. So as we journey in 2015, understand, trust the new perspective that God's given us. That no matter what it is, he is making beautiful the things in your life. Imagine, if you will, the, stilch, the stitching of a quilt. If I understand I've never made a quilt, and I'm pretty certain by the time I die, I will never will. Okay, that's not one of the things i am got on my bucket list. In fact, I don't even have a bucket list. I guess the next thing on the journey is die. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But I've seen that they take pieces of fabric, Mr. Sower Person Judy. So they take pieces of fabric. And it looks like pieces of fabric. And then they stitch them together, sometimes in a pattern, sometimes arbitrarily. And it becomes beautiful. Okay. All right. See, I thought so. Imagine that. That God is stitching together circumstances and details in your life. And they make absolutely no sense until you see the finished product. And one day, one day we'll get to heaven and we will all make sense. And we're going to see this beautiful design that God was weaving in our lives. We lost a loved one. Our job change did not happen. A promotion didn't happen. Our children took this path. Um, our lives took this path. And right now we go, and then one day we see the pattern he was weaving. And it all makes sense a new perspective. And we'll, we'll go into the last one because I want to encourage you, you know, again, I've stood at the graveside four times in the last four weeks. And uh, there's something so final about the coffin and the vault and the hole in the earth and the body going back to dust. It's so final. And one day, even that body will be resurrected. The end is not the end, folks. We have a new body coming. While we live in these earthly bodies, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, we groan sigh. But it's not that we want to die. I thought it was kind of funny when Brent said, Who wants to go to heaven? Like, say, you know, somebody said, We want to go to heaven. And I'm just not wanting to get on the bus today. You know, it's not that we want to die. Even Paul said that and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. But rather, we want to put on the new body so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. The second time he says he guarantees with the Holy Spirit. So we got a new body coming. You know, one day it will be worth it all, guys. And we serve a God who's making all things new as we journey through life. So, I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know if you're, you know, is there anybody here who's wanting to see the sun? Anybody here wired like I am? I just need a little sunshine. I mean, about eight great days in a row and I'm starting to feel pretty gray. I can use a little sunshine. And you may be Physically or, or circumstantially in your life where every day's blue skies. You know, every day's just bright and sunny. But but there's some here today who's who's in great skies. And there's some here whose life is very dark. We we heard about one this morning. And I just want to encourage you to know that it will be worth it all, that this is not the end. God is in the process of making all things new. But I'm going to and say it, even though I know every person here, I think. I'm going to say this. But the, the keystone of that is our relationship with him as Father. You know, in order for him to make all things new, it begins with that new birth. And if you're here tonight, you've never experienced a new birth. I didn't say go to church. I didn't say be moral. I didn't say be good. I didn't say be a Baptist. If you've not experienced a new birth, if you don't have that keystone, he can't make all things new. It begins with a new birth, and I'll be standing down front. If tonight God spoke in your heart and say, uh, "You know, Dwayne, tonight's the night. I, I need to trust Christ." I'll be glad to share with you um, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the pastor did with me some thirty nine years ago. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing your word tonight. God, thank you that you do make all things new. Help us understand that. It will encourage us. If we can understand that Father if there is someone here tonight Who's not experienced the new birth May today May tonight Be that night And Father if there's someone here Who's needed a word of encouragement I pray tonight Was that night for them You are making all things beautiful There's a lot of scars A lot of battle scars On our bodies On our hearts in our minds, But thank you for the truth. It really will be worth it all. And you are making all things new. We love you tonight, God. Thank you for loving us so much. And Jesus, I pray this in your name.